welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. As you can see, as you heard, we are launching together uh, through a journey through the Beatitudes and over the next several Sundays, a few of us will uh, walk through each Beatitude and try and, I guess, grapple with the text a little uh, with you. Um, before, though, we launch into this morning's Beatitude, I wondered if uh, you could do a little exercise with me. Don't worry if you are an incredibly uh, introverted person. I'm not going to get you to speak to another human being. Don't worry. But uh, just, just a little bit of self-reflection for a moment that I think might help us get to the depths of dynamic, the kind of nuances around this whole text we're about to launch into. Would you consider a time, maybe think back a little, when you felt completely out of your depth. Maybe a situation when you suddenly realize, you know what, I don't have this all together. I don't even know if I can make it through. Whether it's silly or whether it's serious, you find yourself suddenly utterly helpless. While you're thinking of yours, uh, I know exactly when I consider this for myself where mine was. Uh, it's kind of forged and scarred into my memory. It was, um, I went back to play a little bit of social rugby at my club in Tiamudu uh, in my late 20s. And uh, I'd played a whole bunch of rugby and sort of representative grades right through, but took a few years off to focus on youth work. And if I was a little bit more truthful, it's because I wasn't getting any better at rugby and quit while I was ahead, so I still had some stories. But uh, in my late 20s, I went back to play some social footy, and um, body was definitely not the same as it used to be, and I was playing, and the coach said, Matt, of the senior prem team, would you come and just sit on the bench and sort of be cover the reserves. So I did, which was great, because you never get on, you get the jackets, you know, high five, and you think you're really tough. Uh, so I, uh, but sure enough, one of the front rowers went down and the coach said, Martin, you're up. So I, I get on and I'm like darting around the field and in reflection, there was some hints at that moment because as I hit these muscular men, my whole body kind of reverberated and they didn't budge and I thought, well, I, I can just do this if I look after myself. But sure enough, the whistle blows and some Muppet had knocked the ball on, which means I had to go down into a scrum in a moment. I was a lucid prop. Uh, 1,600 odd kgs of force colliding in a second. So I was like, okay, this is it. So I go down and I think, well, it's mental. I'm gonna look, at least gonna look like I want to be here, smiling, at least they might think I'm a little psychotic or something. So I go down and I, and I grabbed my hooker, this what you do, and I got under his shoulder, a whole lot more so he could take all the brunt. And, and I kind of hadn't even looked at the opposition. And, th and this was my moment. I know silly, but my moment when I looked up and thought, I am completely out of my depth. In fact, I don't even know if I'm going to survive. I looked up and, and what was before me is I could only describe a, a gorilla of a man. And, and not, not this, the cuddly type you give to a child. I am meaning an over-muscled ape who the only reason wouldn't have made the All Blacks is because they wouldn't take steroid-taking axe murderers. This guy was, uh, and my moment then was, I, I actually don't know if I'm gonna make it. So I think, let's just do this. You know, like, uh, 
Let's do it. Uh, and I thought, look, if I'm about to shatter like a wine glass, I might as well try and cut him on the way through, you know? So I, I just think this is it. So crouch, touch, engage. And there is, there's no fairy tale story to this ending. Um, I crumble like a paper dart. Everyone sees my back pop up. Um, that was my moment. Um, funny enough, though, we both come out of the scrum, and we like he's like, yeah, like celebrating. And I'm celebrating too, because I'm like, I'm alive. <laughs> I have a spine. It is good. And then we kind of wander off, and I'm hoping that there's no more people that knock the ball. But I'm curious this morning, where your moment is. Where was your season which you realized, you know what, I don't even know if I can make it through. Because for you, it might be a little bit more serious. It might be in some study you've done, or a job, or even in a relationship. Maybe even in faith, where you've come to the place that I don't know if I've got it within me to continue. Hold on, if you could, to that little memory, because I think it gives us a clue on what the text is trying to say to us this morning. Lauren beautifully read our beatitude this morning, Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Chris uh, beautifully set up the scene last week, and to really appreciate it if you weren't here, the, where this rabbi Jesus makes an announcement uh, that this good news that the kingdom of God, the living God has come close through and in Jesus, is to just really briefly go back a couple of verses to consider the large crowds into which he spoke. Matthew 4, uh, 24 and 25 reads this. Now about uh, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all those who are uh, with various diseases, those suffering severe. Yeah, just saw that. That, that wasn't going good. See it about one o'clock. No, joking. Large crowds from Galilee, from the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed. So this is the setting into diverse crowds in which. Jesus spoke. So we have from Galilee, a very Jewish area, from Jerusalem, of course, but then you have Decapolis. The 10 cities, this was a Greek settled area from Alexander the Great settled there. So this was a non-Jewish, non-religious, non-Torah advising, non-pure, big part of the crowd that were hearing these words. And this announcement, Jesus into the midst of this crowd speaks. And maybe you could imagine this crowd has been a crowd in which some of their loved ones have just been healed. People they grew up with were blind and now they can see. Others that had ailments are now walking around their villages. Others have found this new sense of wholeness because of their sins had been forgiven. And you can picture it into this crowd, Jesus kind of up on the side of a hill in this natural sort of amphitheater begins to speak. And Dallas Willard, the great writer, actually, he says this. He talks about having just ministered to this kind of people that were crowding in on him. Jesus needed to reverse a little bit back up the hill. And not so he can completely get away from the crowds, as some suggest, excusing himself from the pressing needs of this pressing crowd. He moves slightly up the hill to make this announcement. 
And uh, it's really good to note at the very end of this message, as you have a look, it's this crowd that ends up astonished and amazed. So this explosive announcement of the good news that because of Christ, this long-awaited kingdom of God is coming. I'm sure they'll fix this in a moment, don't worry. He opens his mouth, and Jesus begins to describe this beatitude kind of people. Uh, Dallas Willard, again, this great writer, he suggests that Jesus might have taken the show-and-tell method to make it crystal clear who the kingdom was available to. You, you were blessed, and you were blessed. Dodgy tax collectors, the uptight religious elite, prostitutes, hard-working tradespeople, mothers with children, the confident, the broken, people like you and me. Many people that would have counted themselves totally out from the blessing of God heard this, blessed are you, the kingdom of God has come among you. So last week, uh, Chris so well kind of said that, that blessed is translated from this word uh, makrios, and, and as we discovered that you can't just swap out blessed for happy, right? You, you can't do this for, for many reasons, uh, simply because happy would be too much of a weaker swap, but also because it's incredibly misleading. Let me tell you what that means. Misleading because it puts the emphasis in the wrong place. See, makrios does not refer to how you or I access our condition or our feeling when it's a bad situation. Makrios actually refers to how God sees our condition and how God looks at us in any given situation. I think um, this has been so helpful for me this week because uh, many people that I've kind of been in contact with would say, uh, you probably question who I hang around with, but they, they say, you know what, the Beatitudes, yeah, that's kind of the nice things Jesus says, isn't it? I don't really understand them, but they're really nice. Or, hey, whatever happens to me, everything's going to be kind of groovy in a faith kind of way. But how many know that that kind of attitude falls really short as soon as you begin to suffer? As soon as you have to mourn something or someone? Here's the thing. Whether you or, not, you or I feel happy or not is not the point of the word that Jesus uses here. What matters is not how I feel about my situation or my condition, but about how God feels about us in that time. Makrios. Really changes the focus, doesn't it? So, blessed. What are the synonyms, the right kind of way we can just have language today for blessed? Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Some have said fortunate. Fortunate are the poor in spirit. Some have said approved are the poor in spirit. Anyone been in your car and your tires are out of alignment and you veer off and it's dangerous? Another great way to say blessed is to say in perfect alignment with the kingdom. In alignment are the poor in spirit. Uh, Daryl Johnson, he writes a little book called The Beatitudes. That was helpful. Uh, <laughs> he says, he says uh, makrios, the word that best captures makrios is this, this idea of being in sync. Now, or, or synchronized. Now, now in sync, I at home have got a um, little iDoc, and uh, this, this iDoc is where you get to um, 
sync your phone with this little speaker, and obviously you can just play music from every and change the volume from any room in the house. And uh, it's great. Technology's fantastic, isn't it? I'm in sync at that moment. Uh, yet when I walk away, <laughs> I forget my phone's in my pocket, and I walk away into another room. And as soon as I'm away from the central source, the, the, the central point, the music cuts in and out like kind of some really bad stuttering, and it's Kelly once knows what, what's going on, this sort of Tourette's moment the speaker has as soon as I'm away from the source. So you are really well in saying, in sync with the kingdom of God are the poor in spirit. In sync with God's new humanity are the poor in spirit, if that's helpful. So let's have a look with the time we have at what does poor in spirit mean? And what does it not mean? And then at the end, why don't we look at what might this text read about us and read over us? I wonder what comes to mind for you when you think of poor, poor in spirit. This poor is um, really easy to trip ourselves up on, even in this word, right? Because of the connotations, the stories we have in this, this word or this state poor. Is it the, uh, the, the poor you might hear from a grandparent when they're like, you poor, poor little dear thing, you know? Or, or is it the poor that that's people say, man, those people there, they are dirt poor. A good question to ask ourselves this morning is, what kind of poor deserves God's blessing? Well, there's two words for poor in the Greek uh, New Testament. I won't begin to try and pronounce them. Um, I live here in Hamilton, not over there. 2,000 years ago. So one is P-E-N-E-S. This is describing people who have to work all the time because they own no property. The other is P-T-O-C-H-O-I. And this is describing people who are so destitute that they have to force, they are forced to beg from others, sorry. So the first refers to those that have the bare essentials, Right? And the second are those who have absolutely nothing. And here's the thing, and they know it. It's the second word that Jesus uses here to describe poor in spirit and where we will build our definition. Blessed are the destitute in spirit. Have you noticed that a beggar comes with empty hands? They have nothing in their pockets to barter with as collateral for food. So here you hear this congratulations from the kingdom giver to those who approach the living God with empty hands. Anyone been there? The poor in spirit are those who know that have, they have nothing to offer in which to get this kingdom. The poor in spirit are those that deep, deep down know that they are at the mercy of the kingdom giver. It's crazy, eh? It's almost counterintuitive that the very time we go, you know what? At times I don't know if I've got what it takes to do this faith thing. That's the very qualification that goes, blessed are you. In sync are you, poor in spirit. And the poor in spirit are called blessed not because necessarily they're very dependable or resourceful, but because they're desperately dependent on Jesus and they have nothing to offer him. So poor in spirit. So what does it not mean? Let's look at that just for a moment. 
You, you might say, Matt, great, but Luke, Luke also says, uh, blessed are the poor. But have you noticed Luke finishes there with a full stop, blessed are the poor, when Matthew says blessed are the poor in spirit. So, so is Matthew over-spiritualizing this thing? You know, the ex-tax collector going, oh, if it means being poor, <laughs> I don't want to be dirt poor, and adds a spiritualization. Or is it Luke that says, the only way we get to the kingdom of God is to be dirt poor? Which is it? Luckily, people say it better than I would, so Daryl Johnson says this. Nowhere in the Bible is materially po- uh, material poverty held out to us as an ideal human condition. Nowhere in the story is the, ha- is the loving God happy when people are materially poor. It would be wrong to take Jesus' words in Luke to mean it is good to be poor, and that therefore only the materially poor will inherit the kingdom of God. See, although Luke speaks like no other gospel about the stresses of Jesus teaching on the poor, have you noticed he never romanticizes the idea of being materially poor? So maybe we take Luke as him telling us, whispering to us, the disposition that we're meant to have is like being poor when we come to the living God. Because how many know that poor, they know they need help, don't they? They know they need God desperately, therefore they live in a position of dependence. Now, of course, the scripture warns massively against the rich, but not because they have much, but because of the attitude that wealth can produce. I hope that we hear that this morning. The attitude of you know, getting to a place where we don't need God. We're not in reliance of you. And um, when I say rich, I would include myself this morning. Perhaps any of us that were able to have a breakfast and drive here, that would be the rich. Because God knew that in, in much wealth, if we hold an attitude, we can easily get to a place where we say, I'm no longer dependent on you. I find my hope elsewhere. So it's, it's the poor do not inherit the kingdom of God because they're poor, right? The poor that inherit the kingdom of God are the poor in spirit, those that are utter, utterly helpless and come with that attitude, empty-handed, waiting on God's deliverance. So, okay, maybe you have like, I, I know this. Uh, for me, I'm like, I kind of get that. I kind of get that it's, it's not about trusting your wealth. It's not about trusting your own self-sufficiency. And, and, and I kind of get that concept. That I'm not sure about you. And, and maybe if you're like me, you're like, I, I especially love the, the idea of poor in spirit and the big stories of the Bible. You know, the prodigal son, those once-off moments where they, he comes and he's literally poor, isn't he? He is guilty, and he comes back to his father, not knowing what the welcome will be like, helpless, and he is poor in spirit. Or, or the, the, the thief on the cross beside Jesus, utterly helpless, remember me. That's poor in spirit. I, I get that. But what if Jesus is saying something different to us? I, I, I get that there's this once-off kind of uh, Poverty of spirit that helps us launch into salvation. But what if Jesus is saying 
that the poverty of spirit is actually meant to be a permanent state that every Jesus follower lives in. And as soon as they step out of that state, they're no longer poor in spirit. Utterly reliant on King Jesus. N.T. Wright urges that the Beatitudes are actually just this ongoing sign that the kingdom of God is among us. And he says this, blessings on the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is yours. It doesn't mean you will go to heaven when you die. It means you will be one of those through whom the God's kingdom, heaven's rules, begins to appear on earth as in heaven. The Beatitudes are the agenda for kingdom people. They are not simply about how to behave so that God will do something nice to you. They are about the way in which Jesus wants to rule the world. He wants to do it through this sort of people, actually just like himself. I'm learning more and more that the Beatitudes and discovering that they are quite an intrusive challenge to my independence, to the way in which I want to live my life in faith. Because it's so easy for me to hear the Beatitudes, the parts where God wants to rule the world through me and rule the world through us, but kind of miss how he's going to do it. The waiting and humility for God to work. The listening with open hands for a better way than our own. Oswald Chambers describes us, he says, as long as we have a conceited, self-righteous idea that we can do the thing if God will help us. God has to allow us to go on until we break the neck of our ignorance over some obstacle. Then we will be willing to come and receive from him. The bedrock of Jesus Christ's kingdom is poverty, not possession. Not decisions for Jesus, but a sense of absolute futility. I cannot begin to do it. Then Jesus says, blessed are you. That is the entrance, and it takes a long while to believe we are poor. The knowledge of our own poverty brings us to the moral frontier where Jesus Christ works. I wonder if you've noticed any of that to be true. Those times where you come to the end of yourself in utter reliance And you need him again to be healer, to be provider, to be leader. And and, in those times when you don't even know if you're going to make it, so often Jesus is at his best work, isn't he? I'm discovering that the Beatitudes are just challenging for me. One, because of who God, who Jesus calls blessed. And the next part of what it might mean for me to be a Beatitude person. The poor in spirit, I believe, is a land where change begins to become possible. In a culture that prizes resourcefulness and independence, man, I I tend to turn from the land in which Chambers points out. The wilderness where our answers fall short, our neat logical categories shatter, and we're dependent. Um, And here, of course, I'm not saying we need to throw out our intellect and our reasoning just with pure faith, utter helplessness. Because we need growing smart minds in Christ, don't we? But perhaps we need adult heads that are maturing and hearts like children here. 
You know, Matthew 18 talks of Jesus saying, you must, he used that example of children, doesn't he? You must come childlike to inherit the kingdom of God, heaven. Perhaps this idea of the children was nothing about their innocence. Maybe it was their incompetence. Maybe it was they are so incompetent. They have no claim on heaven come. Please, when you come to me, come like they. In faith, the very fact that there's times where we think, I don't know if I can do everything he says. I don't know if I've got it within me. The strange part of that is, at that moment, when our lament, our trajectory of our lament is toward Jesus in any situation, he says, you're making it. If you heard anything this morning that I've said, when the trajectory of your lament, your grief, your hope is toward Jesus, you're gonna make it. Blessed are you. Poor in spirit, I believe, is the disposition of every believer to be more and more relying on Jesus. So we, we quickly said, uh, Christ blessed his incentive with the kingdom of uh, are you who are poor in spirit. We said that when Jesus is saying this, this is nothing about our assessment of ourselves, how we feel happy or not. It's all about how Jesus, how God sees us in that situation. Then we said in sync or in alignment. That, that's, that's, that's a very okay way to get our language around blessed. In sync are those of the kingdom of the poor in spirit. And then these beatitudes, they are qualities that will emerge as evidence of the kingdom taking place in our life. It would be an interesting, fascinating conversation then to one day talk about what is a mature Christian? Is it when these evidences begin more and more to show? See, I got out of that. I didn't actually tell an answer just in case you hit me and see that wasn't right. I was like, maybe, maybe. <laughs> hey, um, Chris last week, um, really well, he, he finished in like kind of a rabbitic kind of fashion, this, this idea that uh, the great rabbis would excellently uh, question really well their audiences with effective, intelligent questions. And um, actually in um, Judaism, to be without questions isn't a sign of faith. It's actually a lack of depth. Questions are good. So uh, this morning, I want to conclude in a similar way, uh, but I'm going to do it in a way that's most natural to me because uh, for those that know me best, my questions are more like a, uh, more like a process, more like a verbal vomit that tries to land somewhere. So pray for my wife. Uh, and, and if it's okay, in all seriousness, I just want to give you a couple of questions that I reflected on this week. And especially if you disagree with me, Please write your own questions because have we not heard that sermons really are talks that should start talks? So this week I asked or reflected as I went through the Beatitudes, what might the truth of these Beatitudes worked out in us look individually and communally? This whole, I simply can't do it on my own, poor in spirit. What might it look like, not only in our connection with Jesus, but what might this look like with our connection with others? 
I probably, like you, have this understanding that to function in the body of Christ as he's hoped, I can't separate myself from the foot, the hand, the ear. That is, an, that is a disabled body that Jesus didn't speak of. I have a theology for this, but my question was, do I really have a praxis for this? Do I have a rhythm in life for this? Maybe I go to a gathering every Sunday or every third or fourth, or maybe have some Christian friends, but I just wanted to present the idea to widen it to say, what if it was blessed and sink of those who are also truly dependent on each other? Now, I know dependent is an interesting word, so truly live with an attitude that I can't do this thing by myself. And I'm not meaning just through crisis times, you know, when we really need each other, or that text every two months, like, I'm praying for you, sister, smiley face. But what are the beautiful possibilities of a community that are intentionally living this way and in mutual submission to each other? Learning to carry each other's burdens and meet each other's needs and when it's absolutely inconvenient to our schedules. Wonder what that would look like. In the Genesis account, I'm fascinated that a rib is taken from Adam. Almost like God has purposely designed Adam to be incomplete. This way. If that was the case, that would make sense of this ache that is within us and ourselves like something is missing, where we're always looking outside of ourselves and longing for connection. For it's not good for man and woman to be alone, to be disconnected. So have you ever asked the question, what, do we ever get to be rich in spirit? <laughs> you know? Well, yes and no. It seems that we were created to live dependently. And, and, and whether it's in the new creation with the Father, or whether it's just living that life in faith now, have you noticed that we need supplies from outside of our own selves? Have you noticed that? So, when do we reach rich in spirit? When we're acting poor in spirit. So my reflection in this part was, um, do I really want to be a part of that kind of blessing? How do I begin to make room for this one another life? And then um, personally, I'll finish with personally, how does this beatitude, what might it look? Thanks, Thomas. I began saying that my belief is that the Beatitudes, first of all, is an announcement, right? The stunning gospel of the Beatitudes. And the question I reflected on this week was, if it were up to me, even a part of continuing this gospel, this good news, my question was this, how was my life pronouncing the gospel now? Or actually, what kind of gospel are people hearing from my life? And again, you're welcome to take these questions. How is our lives pronouncing the gospel? Does it remotely reflect the good news that Jesus was announcing? Who would make my list of candidates for this good news? The Beatitudes 
I guess this week have made me go on this intrusive search to seek out and to tear out every place where I say, amen, in one breath, and then with the subtle Pharisee in me says another thing. And uh, when I, when I, what I mean by that is I can say, amen, he's the father to the fatherless, right? That Jesus come, came for the sick, not the healthy. I can say amen to that, but I don't know if you've ever heard this whisper, but there's sometimes a whisper that says, but, but, but. Yeah, I, that's nice, but. God's favor, right? Come on, God's blessing is for those that work hard. God's blessing is for the morally upright, for the people who make the right decisions, the people who make all the right confessions of faith. That's who God's favor is for, the people that publicly have it all together. My belief, my humble belief, is the beatitude confronts this kind of thinking. Perhaps at the very moment, this knee-jerk reaction where I say, wait, God's blessing is for those that walk upright, that those that deserve it, that those that earn it, maybe I've missed it. Because the Beatitudes, my belief is it's first an announcement. Not a teaching, really, not advice, certainly not blame, not neat ways that we can order our lives. It's an announcement that the kingdom of God is here in a fresh new way to all those that never have any claim on it, didn't think they'd deserve it. Blessed are those that had no reason to be blessed. Isn't that good news, if it's the good news? It lends me to think that then church, church, we would be, it would be right for first us to shout announcement. Blessed, kingdom availability to you a forgiveness and restoration that knows no limits. And as soon as we say, yes, son, God loves you, but A, B, C, D, and then it gets really good, maybe we've missed it. So the gospel of this kingdom, what is my life pronouncing? Not my romantic theology, but my practice. Blessed are the broke and the broken the drug addicted, the HIV positive, the herpes ridden, the pregnant too many times, the pregnant at the wrong time, the irresponsibility avoiding fathers, the filthy, the filthy rich, the unemployable, the lonely, the incompetent, the stupid, the emotionally starved, is it not true that the earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal? Lastly, Dallas Willard says, sometimes I feel I don't really want the kingdom to be open to such people, but it is. It's the heart of God. Sorry. As Jonah learned from his experience preaching to these wretched Ninevites, we can't shrink him down to our own size. We can't shrink God down to our own size. And um, so as a recovering sinner, maybe this disposition, because we're received grace and mercy, maybe it means that we can go into the world to the least of these, to the most hideous of people and say, 
the availability of the kingdom is yours because of Jesus. And when you put your trust in Him, when you become poor in spirit, utterly dependent on Him, welcome. So this morning, I hope you hear His words. Blessed are you. May we each more and more of us rely on Jesus with more and more and more every year of our lives. Would you, would you stand and I'll just pray for us, eh? Jesus, here we are. We know that we come to the table with nothing to offer you. And God, you saw it fit to offer us everything in Jesus. Help those that still after today, some reason count themselves out of your blessing by what they've done, who they are, or their understanding. Would your words be ointment and transformation? God, would you heal us from all the ways that we wrongly measure ourselves against other people, somehow measuring our self-righteousness against others that stumble or because of their state. Heal us today. We are grateful that your kingdom is breaking out among us. We love you. Have your way. Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.